Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. Okay, I'm speaking now. Alright, we're doing it. This is terrible. <laughs> A little weird. <laughs> My setup is awful. I've got my laptop and my microphone on top of a like an old like three drawer set I used to keep in my dorm room on my bed. I am at my kitchen table as per usual and uh, I'm taking a picture <laughs> for the gram. Ah. We're, we're recording we're recording virtually um, really makes me feel like a real podcaster you know all the big podcasters are recording virtually these days I know and it's pretty bad for me because I'm in my childhood bedroom um, so that's unfortunate at least you are in like a spot where you have done this before <laughs> this is true I know that you're in your childhood bedroom because I can clearly see a little like, picture over the your bed that says shoot for the moon uh, and unfortunately that is a new photo that has not always been here <laughs> <laughs> well this was my not something when your mom uh well it's harder to <laughs> talk because we keep talking over each other because there's like a lag i'm just gonna say absolutely nothing <laughs> i'm also in the boonies so uh there's like the Wi-Fi is garbage, hence the lag. Ex- exactly. So if this sounds terrible, you know what? Whatever. This we're trying something new. If this sounds terrible, just skip to the end. True. True. <laughs> uh, and this is a podcast called "This Is Gonna Sound Weird," <laughs> <laughs> a podcast where we talk about everything true crime, paranormal, and Wi-Fi in between. Exactly. Uh, what's our theme this week? I forgot. I just did my notes. Our theme this week is killer kids. We are not in the right state of mind. Taylor is finally done with her finals, and I just got back from being out of town, so I'm still on that vacation state of mind. I got my grade back for my first final today. I did pretty well, actually, so thank the Lord. Maybe I won't fail out after all. Thank God. I can com- I can commit a misdemeanor in the next three to four years and have representation. I'm also really trying not to laugh right now because when I laugh, I shake my bed. And I'm pretty sure when I shake the bed, the microphone's doing weird stuff. <laughs> okay, I'm going tr- to hold it together. No laughter for this one. This is going to be really hard to do because I am the funniest person you know. Uh, I, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> All right. Let me... Uh... Let me get pull up my notes, because I'm going first this week. All right. Trying to find your face. I've got, like, so much stuff pulled up on the screen. I don't even know what to do. Yeah, you're just going to need to watch my face, because I cannot have... I cannot be looking at your face and be looking at my notes. I feel that. <clears throat> sometimes sometimes it's just about me, you know? Oh, is it? Is it? Oh, I'm about to lose mm-hmm. this microphone mm-hmm. off this freaking drawer set. Damn. Tell your mom to invest in some good podcasting furniture. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> well, my little brother has some, like, gamer furniture, but like I said, he might, I don't know when he's coming home, but he could bust up in there and be like, get out of here! So, I'm in here. Yes, that sounds that sounds exactly like him, all 90 pounds That's of him. exactly what he sounds like. <laughs> all right. So, for my story this week, I am doing mine on Daniel Bartlam. I've never heard. I don't know. 
I, I don't know. You may have, you may not have. I know that I texted you two people that I was going to do my story on this week, and then I said, to heck with that, and I chose a different one. Yeah, I was going to say, those were not the two options I was given. So, Daniel Bartlett, my sources are True Crime Stories on YouTube, mycrimelibrary.com, and that is it. I... There's not much, actually, it, this is an interesting story, but there's really not too much information. So, you have, him. like, two sentences, and that's it. Yes. He killed someone. Oh my god, you spoiled it. It was sad. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, first day podcasting, sorry. Sorry, she didn't know the premise right. of a podcast. No, I didn't. I thought it was something that you, you read. Is it? Are you just saying all this off the top mm-hmm. of your head this whole time? You're just making up these stories out of your mm-hmm. head? No reading involved? Yeah, I'm, I, I've made up every story that I've told on this podcast. <laughs> Damn, we're going to get sued. <laughs> Damn it. All right, so let's let's get into all it. Right. Daniel Bartlam, who you've never heard no. of. Maybe you have. Maybe the listeners have. But maybe. Taylor Moore has not. So, Bart, uh, Taylor, <laughs> god dang, Daniel Bartlow <laughs> was born on November 11th, 1996 in Nottingham, which is in, uh, I believe the UK. They, uh, the people in, uh, on the videos that I saw had British accents, so I'm assuming not the Americas. Okay, I'll believe it. Um, he- <laughs> Um, he had a pretty normal life growing up, but when his parents divorced in 2005, Daniel had a hard time coping and he became very withdrawn and, uh, I don't know, kind of angsty, you oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, I think he was like nine at the time that they divorced. Okay. So, what is that? Like elementary school, maybe? Yeah, well, like fifth grade, That's fourth be- grade. Yeah, I mean that's gotta be tough to. I don't. My parents have a divorce. Taylor, tell us about your fam- your parents' divorce. <laughs> well, I was like four, so I don't remember much, but I do know that whenever they got divorced, I moved into this very bedroom, and I got a canopy bed. So that's all I could have asked for, really. <laughs> <laughs> it really paid uh, off. <laughs> two Christmases. Well, D- Daniel evident. <laughs> Can't ask for better. Well, Dan. Can't ask for better. Well, Daniel did not get a canopy bed. <laughs> sadly, he just he just got uh, very withdrawn. Damn. So uh, Daniel would spend most of his days playing video games alone in his room, and he was one of those people that would upload YouTube videos of him like playing these video games. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I where people like play it and they, they it's just like a clip of them playing it, but not them. It's like the actual video game I think that's what a lot of people do on twitch that little you know that gaming streaming mm. site i don't really know i think it's boring but some people like it i guess the only thing i know about twitch is that chloe ting that uh that girl that makes everybody skinny over quarantine um she does little videos on twitch does she does she work out like if you want to work out with her oh yeah she works out interesting <clears throat> She has, like, these video... She has, like... Yeah, she has, like, these, like, workout regimens and, like... They're actually pretty good. If you're looking for something to do while you're home with the family, I'd recommend. Uh, I'll, I'll look into it. No, you no, won't. I won't. 
<laughs> so in 2008, when Daniel was 11, his mother Jackie began dating a man named Simon Matter. And as their relationship became more serious, Jackie liked for Sa- like Simon to stay at the house more mm-hmm. because she wanted her s- two sons to have a good like male role model since there she was no longer with the father. But due to financial troubles, Daniel and his mother and his brother would eventually move out of their original home, mm-hmm. like Daniel's childhood home, to a more affordable one, and Daniel did not react well to the change. Mm. He placed a lot of blame on his mother for their tr- money troubles and blamed her for the reason that like her his parents were divorced. Uh, And their relationship became more and more strained. And then Daniel would continue to spend the bulk of his time playing video games and watching this British soap opera called Coronation Street. I've never heard of that. I had never heard of it either. Um, So in the show, there's a character named John Stape. And John Stape murders a woman with a hammer and is able to cover up the murder by starting a fire okay. so he you know he, he's able to cover it up and he's able to get away scot-free interesting indeed uh and then around this time daniel began to write a script of his own like a script for a tv show and in and the script depicts daniel as a killer and his mother as the victim you know that's very specific and he cast himself as the role of daniel I, I don't think that there was any auditions. <laughs> He's the only one that can play. It was rigged. Look, I watched Hamilton for the first time last night. It sucked. I'm just going to throw that out there. And the guy, I know Lin-Manuel Miranda or whatever his name is, he really should have picked somebody else to play that part. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, that's like a common thing is people are like, Lin-Manuel Miranda, a great, like, writer, director, but performer. Not so much. Yeah. He just didn't give the vibe. And it's, I, for, for me, it's not necessarily that he is bad. He is not bad. I don't listen to it. I'm like, this uh-huh. sucks. It's just the rest, the rest of that cast is so fantastic. That's a little bit like, eh, could be yeah, better. Yeah, he could have he picked somebody better, honestly. The King, he was very good, obviously. He plays in my... Who's the king in that recording? I think his last name's Groff. He plays the guy in... Oh, yeah, Jonathan uh Groff. He plays in Mindhunter, which is just odd because those roles are clearly very different. Clearly, yeah. He... Because the reason I ask is I haven't watched the Disney Plus version, but they have, like, several different kings Mm -hmm. throughout, like, the the run. So, that's what I was wondering. Um... So, over time, Daniel would become more and more violent, often screaming at his mother, picking fights with her, and telling her that he hated her. Mm-hmm. Simon also observed Daniel be Simon's, the, uh, the boyfriend of the mother, um, observes Daniel showing aggression towards his little brother as well, which I didn't, I didn't grow up with brothers, but I know that, you know, sometimes l- older brothers just beat the hell out of True. you. True. So I don't know if that's normal. I would beat up Caden sometimes, my little brother. So, you know, it, it comes with it. And I had other brothers, so that was just what we did. Mm-hmm. And then one day, Simon and Jackie decided to search Daniel's bedroom. 
and they found several pairs of Jackie's underwear stashed in a briefcase. Fuck. In in addition to this, they also found that Daniel had been urinating and defecating in his room and on toys that his mother had bought him. What the hell? How did they not realize this until then? Did it not smell? I think maybe that's maybe why they initially were like, it kind of stinks in here, you know? Let me take a look. Also, I feel like when your kid is being weird, you're going to search their room. But yeah, um... The weirdest is, like, so he had a bathroom attached to his bedroom, um, so it, it wasn't that he couldn't make it. He was definitely, like, doing it. On purpose? Doing it on purpose. Yeah, but he uh, he was doing it on, like, toys that um, his mom had bought him. Like, there was some Star Wars figurines that he had pooped on. <laughs> That's so weird. I can't. So, also, he had to live in there with his uh, own poop stank. I guess it didn't phase him. <clears throat> well, and evidently it really didn't phase Jackie all that much because despite, you know, this being very odd behavior and, uh, you know, kind of concerning, she chose not to confront Daniel regarding either of these concerns. What the heck? If... If I was mama, I'd be like, what in the hell is going on in here? This is disgusting. Disgusting. We're not going to get our security deposit back. <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. We're going to have to rip the carpet out. For real. You're going to have... God. Oh, God. Ew. Terrible. Dog poop's bad enough, but uh, teenage poop? Weak old teenage poop? Terrible. Terrible. And then one night, Daniel was brought home by the police after being found walking to his old home in the middle of the night. So, like, the uh, house that his mom and his brother and him had moved out Uh of um, in the years prior. And when he was brought back, Jackie didn't inform the police of any of the issues that Daniel was kind of going through. Uh, And the police just sort of left Jackie to handle Daniel. That's weird. Uh... I agree. Uh, Now, a few months later, Daniel would begin seeing a counselor at his school after classmates reported Daniel making concerning statements. Daniel told his counselor that he heard voices in his head that told him to kill people. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, And Jackie was made aware of what was going on with Daniel. Like, I think the pretty much the school was like, your son needs like professional Uh help. Um, but she didn't believe that Daniel actually was hearing voices, and so she sort of just was like, eh, it is what it is. Okay. Which I don't know why, like, a young child would make that up. So, like, well, I guess he's not, like, terribly young, but I feel like as a teenager, I wouldn't know to make it up to, like, make it seem like I have a problem. I just wasn't smart enough for that, I don't guess. Yeah, and, like, so his, he was already telling, like, classmates weird things, which is why he started seeing the counselor in the first place. He basically had told his classmates, I've got this tie that I wear and that my tie's name is Fred. And tie, like Fred keeps trying to strangle me. That's very odd. Yeah, and they were like, well, that's weird. Um, you should go talk to somebody about that. And so that's why he, he started seeing the counselor in the first place. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, now by age 14, so this was all before... Daniel was 14. So it was like middle school, you know, when all this was happening. 
Um, Daniel was very withdrawn, and his personal hygiene was lacking. I mean, obviously. Yeah. He was pooping in his room. Yeah. Um, but, like, I don't, he was, I don't think he was bathing regularly. He was wearing, like, old, nasty clothes. Uh-huh. Um, and around this time, he was continuing to write a script in which he would beat his mother to death and cover her body in petrol and set it on fire. Good lord. So just a bit of light reading. True, yes. I I would just think if my kid wrote that, that's completely normal. Just some, they're so creative. And then uh, at 1 a.m. on Easter Monday, 2011, Daniel and Jackie got into a heated argument. Daniels demanded to know where Jackie had put his trainers uh-huh. Um, which are, are shoes, uh-huh. um, which I'm thinking like, you know, I used to get kind of in arguments with my mom about that because, you know, my mom, she loved to move stuff. <laughs> she loves to, when I come and visit, like I will drink out of the same water cup all day. If I set it on the counter for two seconds, my mom has already dumped it out and put it in the dishwasher. Yeah, yep. my mom did that with cups, like, all the time. You can't you can't leave it unattended. It'll be gone immediately. I know, and I'm like, why? <laughs> We're going through too many she cups. She just wants to wash all them dishes. She loves washing dishes. She, she loves washing <laughs> dishes. Uh, yeah, so they're arguing about where the shoes are. And during this argument, Daniel hits Jackie over the head several times with a hammer. He then uses petrol and newspaper to set her body on fire, just as he had in his script. Uh, Daniel then got his younger brother and dog and led them to safety across the street. When police arrived, Daniel told police that he found a hammer on the floor and threw it at an intruder who had, he had seen set fire to the house before climbing out the window. Okay. Uh, and police were kind of skeptical about, you know, what actually happened mm-hmm. um, because, you know, he, again, he had kind of like poor hygiene and when he was standing outside in the middle of the night, he was wearing like clean clothes. He looked kind of put together, almost like maybe he had changed clothes mm-hmm. maybe he had got something on his clothes. Um, so they were a little skeptical about his story. So they arrested him and brought him in for further questioning. And during this further questioning, police asked Daniel if he had intended to kill his mother that night, uh, in which Daniel replied that he didn't intend to kill her at that time. (laughs) Well, that's not very uh, promising. Uh, That ain't gonna hold up. Uh, Daniel tried to convince the jury that he had killed his mother in a fit of rage. However, police were able to retrieve Daniel's script from the computer from his backups. So he had deleted it off his computer, but he had, like, a Mac computer. So they were able to get it through, like, I'm guessing, like, the cloud or something. You know, everything backs up. I don't trust anything. Everything's on the cloud. My iCloud, though, hasn't been backed up in probably four years, so... I think I'm pretty good and safe. I haven't backed up my iCloud in a couple of years, but I'm still not convinced because I feel like somehow it still ends up it's somewhere. Like backed up, it's somewhere. Yeah, everything's somewhere. Can't do anything incriminating. Never. Uh, if you're gonna write a script, you know, write it in pen and paper, yep. and then burn yeah, it. burn it when you finish the crime. Um, they were also able to uncover some of Daniel's search history. That included how to get away with murder. Oh, the TV show. 
<laughs> no, not the TV show. Not the TV show. Uh, that's, he's trying to he's trying to catch up on what's going on this yeah, season. Yeah, for real. Uh, no, he wanted to know he wanted to know how to get away. Uh, with he should just listen to true crime podcasts. <laughs> I don't know if they were too popular in what was this 2011. Dang, we should have started one then. We really would have been at the forefront of this whole podcasting thing. This is true. What were we? Do- we didn't even know. No, each we other did in not. 2011, I was though. probably like. 12 years old mm, i don't think so it, like, it's like 10 years ago i have no i have no idea how math i works. was four years old <laughs> i'm a teenager i was at i was at least five exactly uh in addition to this neighbors had heard the argument going on between daniel and his mother so that really didn't support the story of the burglar. Mm. They definitely knew that he had been arguing with his mom. Because um, I guess they could hear it from, like, through the walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during his trial, Daniel described to the court in detail how he killed his mother and burned her body. Oh, God. Uh, the court found Daniel guilty of first-degree mor- murder and was uh, he was sentenced to 16 years in prison. And that's kind of where the story is. However, I know that there is a bit of um, concern. Simon, um, Jackie's boyfriend at the time, uh-huh. is really concerned about Daniel getting out because he's been like behaving pretty well in prison. Oh. So there is some talk of him like coming up for parole and being able to, you know, get out a little bit early. Um, but I mean, there's not been much development on that. But I do know there was an interview with simon the stepdad about this and he was saying he don't want it to happen well so it sounded like there's probably a lot of like mental health issues there so i wonder if he's gotten any help because it sounds like he probably had some sort of like schizophrenia with the whole voices and everything mm -hmm. and he was diagnosed with a couple um he was diagnosed with antisocial disorder um which Makes sense. He was very introverted. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think he was necessarily diagnosed with schizophrenia, um, but they talked about that just a little bit in the article about how typically with some of these mental health disorders, you don't really get diagnosed with that until at least the, by the time you're 18. That's so true. it's odd that someone so young was able to commit this crime and had all these disorders. But yes, I agree. There was a lot of mental health issues. Um, which is why the counselor at school really recommended him get, you know, like, some special treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find it interesting that the mom didn't, didn't ever consider getting him any, any sort of treatment. Yeah, because I would say if he hasn't got that under control, which I guess you, the, like, parole board or whatever would kind of know. But, like, if he didn't have it under control, then when he came out, he could still have some bad tendencies but you know what? I guess I trust him to to make a good decision. Even if even if they make a bad decision, he lives across the pond. Oh yeah, that's true. But I don't want the people across the pond to gotta be worried about it. Which it sounds like he probably would go after family and not like randos. But who who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is the story of Daniel Bartlow. Thank you. I had definitely not heard of that one. So. No, that was a good one. I hadn't either, so I was, I wanted to kind of, kind of come out with a little bit something different. Nothing, 
Many, well, some people probably have heard of it, but I had never heard sure of it. Sure, some people from, where was it? Is it in England? Or It was from Nottingham. Well, sure. I'm sure people from that part of the world have heard of it before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you for that. Do we? I'm going to pause because my feet are falling asleep. Okay, it's my turn now. And I am doing my story on the Richardson family murders. You ever heard of it? Maybe. I couldn't say. I know a lot of people named Richardson. (laughs) Uh, So my sources are allthat'sinteresting.com, wikipedia.com, and mamamia.com au or dot au. So, anyways. That's kind of a random one. one. It is. I didn't realize what the name of it was until I went to write it in and I was like... Well, I used it, so here we go. Uh, so, at 1 o'clock p.m. on April 23, 2006, in Medicine Hat, Canada, the bodies of Mark Richardson, Deborah Richardson, and their son Jacob were found dead in their home. A young neighbor had gone over to visit the family, like going to go play with Jacob, the son. Uh, but when he got there, he spotted what he thought was a body through the basement window, and he ran back home. And his mom called the police. So, when the police arrived at the home, they found that Mark and Deborah had been stabbed to death in the basement. And that eight-year-old Jacob had been, his throat had been cut open and he was in his bedroom. Yeah. So, it was said that Deborah was stabbed at least a dozen times. And that they thought Mark fought back with a screwdriver. But he ended up dying from being stabbed as well. But the odd thing was, a member of the family was missing from the home when they found them, and it was 12-year-old Jasmine Richardson. So at first, the police were like, you know, oh my gosh, she's been kidnapped by these people, or they murdered her. Mm -hmm. So they were worried, and so they put out a statement saying that they were searching for Jasmine, and they sent out an Amber Alert, and all the Amber Alert really said was that, They needed her back, and it was regarding a, quote, serious family matter. Okay. However, when the police searched the house, they recovered some evidence from Jasmine's bedroom that actually turned her into the main suspect in the murder of her family. So, now Jasmine's the primary suspect. What did they find? Uh, you know, I never actually, well, I kind of go over it a little bit later. It wasn't like, it was like, I think it was like, they found her computer or something, you know? And then I'll I tell you what it is in a little bit. All right. <laughs> I won't jump ahead. So, uh, yeah, please don't tell my story for me. Thank you. <laughs> so, once they knew that Jasmine was their primary suspect, they tracked her down, and she was arrested the following day. And she was in the community of Leader, Saskatchewan, which was about 81 miles from her house. Uh, but when she was found, she wasn't found alone she was fleeing. Uh, the, she was fleeing with her twenty-three-year-old boyfriend, Jeremy Allen Stanky. And when I read, uh, when I read it, I read it as stinky. I read it as stanky. <laughs> like you're still stinky, but it's stanky. I guess it's stanky. I'm going to refer to him as Jeremy just because I really don't know how to say it. Um, Either way, give me one he minute. Smells my, bad. He do. My man Brandon just called me. My fiance Brandon just called me. So I'm going to text him and say, we recording. I am recording with Sydney. Don't call back. 
Okay. Silence for a second. <laughs> Don't ever happened. contact me again. Okay, hold on. I can't spell. I can't talk and spell. I can't podcast and spell at the same time. My lord. Okay. Uh, let me ask if he needed something. Am I going to keep this in? Maybe. Maybe. Oh, shoot. Did you need something? No, he just said okay. All right. Uh, Ashley, we got to a very, we were at a perfect spot to stop. So now let's take it back. We're taking it back to when uh, Jeremy Stanky and Jasmine. (laughs) (laughs) When Stanky and Jasmine met. So they met each other at a punk rock show one night in 2006. Which that strikes me as odd to begin with because when I was 12 years old, my mama is not letting me out of the house for a punk rock show. <laughs> no, not she Vicky. She let me out of the house <laughs> barely to go to church. I barely am going out of the house to go to church. Well, my mom's not going to drop me off anywhere unless she talks to somebody's mom. You know, they're going to have to carpool, you know, like I drop off, you pick up, you know. There's going to be some it's, coordination. Yeah, exactly. So they were at the punk rock show. And, but before uh, Jeremy and, like, Jasmine met Jeremy, she was described as really happy, you know, a pretty social girl. She was raised in just, a, like, a wholesome, conventional family. It was basically just, like, your everyday normal family. Two kids, two parents, no problems, none of that. Um, but when she started to date Jeremy, all of that really started to change. And also, the age difference between the two is pretty drastic because Jasmine was only 12 uh, and Jeremy was 23. Yeah, I would say that's a little bit of an age gap. I mean, so that, I said, that is very illegal. Now, an age gap in a relationship, it don't bother me. But when it's illegal like that, uh, that's, that's a big deal. So You want to know what else is illegal? Murder. Murder. Is it? I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't learn that my first semester in law school. I mean, that's uh, that's second semester uh, curriculum. You're right. Maybe I'll learn it then. I keep thinking a family member's going to pull in the yard. Anyways, so after Jasmine met Jeremy, she instantly became interested in the, quote, goth lifestyle. uh, Because Jeremy was, like, really big into, like... I don't know. Is it a lifestyle? He was like, I guess he considered himself a goth. And so that's just how it was. I think that, uh, what year was this? 2006. 2006. 2006, it was definitely a lifestyle. Um, because, <laughs> so my sister, my older sister graduated high school in 20, uh, 2008. And I remember like we would come and pick her up from school, like me and my mom, and we would see the people like wearing goth attire and i'm telling you it's got to be a lifestyle Uh because i grew up at the beach it's hot like at the beginning of the year and the end of the (laughs) year and those goth those goth people would be wearing like trench coats long pants they got all this hair black nail you know they had to be burning up that's commitment that that is true you know what it is a lifestyle i agree it's a lifestyle do your thing so Jasmine got really into this lifestyle and she joined a website called vampirefreaks.com and she started to wear really dark makeup and she was trying to make herself look older than she actually was. I think she listed her age on the website as like 15, 
She don't really know why it matters because she already had a man, apparently, who was fucking 23. So, while Jasmine, though, came from, like, a normal, pretty stable household, Jeremy was raised in a pretty different environment. His mother was an alcoholic, and her partner would often abuse Jeremy as he was a child. He was also bullied by kids at school, and by the time he had met Jasmine, he had already attempted to complete suicide before, so he didn't come from the best family or childhood, clearly. Um, But the most odd thing about Jeremy is that he believed he was a 300-year-old werewolf. And he developed this... Well, uh, that's even more illegal than 23. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, So he had developed this, quote, persona. That's what we would kind of consider it. You know, starting at the age of 13. And he would always wear a uh, vial of blood around his neck. So, like... You would say goth lifestyle, but really, it's the vampire. It's the werewolf lifestyle. Yeah. So, that reminds me of when Angelina Jolie and um, Billy Bob Thornton would carry around vials of each other's blood. When they were, when I think, it's like when they were married or dating. I don't remember if they got married. I think they got married. Oh my God. We have doggies barking. I'm going to, Otto, I swear. Is there anybody here? Not sure some. I'm not sure, but I'm really in a position that's impossible to get out of at the moment. So we're back to Jasmine and Stanky. (laughs) So when Jasmine's parents found out that their daughter was dating Jeremy, they were clearly shocked. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you cannot see this man. And notice I said man, not boy, because he's a man. Mm -hmm. Legally, not in spirit. In spirit, he is a decrepit old werewolf. (laughs) Um, So... This enraged the couple. Jasmine and Jeremy were like, we are in love. There is nothing that is going to tear our love apart. And so on April 3rd, 2006, Jeremy wrote this on his blog, talking about how mad he was uh, at Jasmine's parents for trying to keep them apart. And it said, payment, exclamation point. My lover's rents, I think rents stands for parents, Mm -hmm. are totally unfair. They say that they really care. They don't know what is going on. They just assume. Their throats, I want to slit. Finally, there shall be silence. Their blood shall be payment. So, you know, it sounds a little poetic, but clearly he's saying exactly what he's wanting to do. It's a little intense. Um, Yeah, sounds like a death threat. But he was actually not the one that, like, first brought up that idea. Uh, Jasmine actually brought it up according to the police, because she sent an email to Jeremy, like, before that blog post. And it says, um, it begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you. And then Jeremy replied, and he said, well, I love your plan, but we need to get a little more creative with, like, details and stuff. So, you know. They're really kind of beating around the bush, though, because they're not really just saying it outright. Mm Mm-hmm. It's almost like they're both just being so, I don't know, like, coy with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, should we? Should we? No. Maybe? It's Caden. He's home. Hello. Yes, I'm currently recording, so. Hi, Caden. <laughs> um, 
So apparently, but Jasmine had told these plans to her friends. She was like, you know, hey, I think I'm gonna kill my parents. <laughs> but her friends were all, didn't believe her. I'm or they sorry, just this she is the was, way like, you, the way you said it. Be like, hey, I think I'm about thinking about doing it. Like that's not something I would casually bring up to a friend. <laughs> like, oh, I'm thinking about getting bangs. Like. <laughs> But, like, her friends thought she was, like, joking, and they, like, didn't believe her. So, I feel like she had to have mentioned it in just, like, a casual way. Right? Like, you would one, think. one would hope that if she, like, was, like, point blank to her friends, like, I am going to kill my parents. Like, I'm serious about this. That they would hopefully call the police. So, maybe she was, like, LOL. Like, I hate them so much. Like, I, I want to kill them. Uh. You know what I mean? And like, they were like, okay, LOL. Yeah, and then, you know, maybe yes. maybe their friends were like, hey, yeah, LOL. I mean, I hate my parents sometimes, too. You know, it be like that. You know, maybe that's kind of like how it was. It be like that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, the night before the murders took place, Jasmine and Stanky watched Oliver Stone's 1994 movie, Natural Born Killers. Now, I've never watched this movie, but if you don't know, it's about a couple who go on a very violent killing spree. And Jeremy thought that this movie was the best love story of all time. Uh, and Wrong. he wanted to kill... It's Shrek. <laughs> it's Shrek. <laughs> You're right. Get out of me, Schwamp. <laughs> that was my attempt at a Shrek accent. What is he? It's like Scottish. What are you doing in my swamp? I don't know. <laughs> We're gonna get cancelled for this one. <laughs> um... And so he wanted to kill Jasmine's family, like, in a similar manner as to what happened in the movie. So the very next day, uh, Jasmine and Jeremy go to the house and plan, and they carry out their plan to massacre her family. And there's a trail of digital evidence is what leads investigators to find Jasmine and Jeremy. And so I think probably what they found in her bedroom was probably, like, her laptop or something. And her emails were very easy to find. Um, because the police were able to obtain many email exchanges between the two. And uh, as I said before, the couple were tracked down like the very next day. And they were arrested. And they were escaping in Jeremy's truck. Um, apparently, it was Jeremy who care- who killed the Richardson parents while Jasmine was upstairs with her little brother. Um, I don't know if she actually killed her little brother or not. Um, but if she didn't, then Jeremy definitely did. And witnesses say that the two actually admitted that they murdered these people. Like, I guess while they were on the run for that one day, they said that, um, the two were like, yeah, we murdered them. And apparently Jeremy, Jeremy said that the victims had been, quote, gutted like a fish. So clearly not remorseful at all. I would say not. So in two, uh, no, not at all. So, in 2007 is when Jasmine's trial began. Um, and at the time, she was only could be identified as J.R. because she was so young. Because, like, at 12 years old, they couldn't, like, say her real name. And she pled not guilty. She said that um, she had hypothetical, quote, hypothetical conversations about killing her family. But never actually was going to do it. Kind of like your guy. He was like, you know, I've thought about it, but I wasn't going to do it, like, now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that didn't really matter because she was found guilty for three counts of first degree murder on November 8th, 2007 and was sentenced to the max time at that, like for her age, which was 10 years in prison. One site said six, but I think 10 was it. 
So it was 10 years in prison, followed by four years in a psychiatric institution, and then four and a half years under conditional supervision in the community. She was the youngest person in Canada to ever be convicted of multiple first-degree murder counts. And I, I don't think there's many 12-year-olds getting convicted of first-degree murder. I'm saying no. And 12 years old, that's so young. Like, I mean, it's pretty... Yeah, you're not even allowed to watch PG-13 movies yet. I know. So how does she get on VampireFreaks.com and into a punk rock show? Mm. You would think to, like, get into a punk rock show, like, by yourself, you would have to be, like, over a certain age, right? Um, I would think so. Um, but this is also what I'm thinking of. Okay, so some, depending on where the show is, you know, like, she might have needed someone 18 or older to go with, which, hello, that would have been her boyfriend. True, but they met at the show, but at the same time, she probably hung out with, like, older kids, I could Mm -hmm. say, maybe. Or maybe they just didn't care, you know? That's true, you know, but it's it's punk rock. But I think of, like, when Warp Tour was really big, my mama would have never let me go to Warp Tour by myself. She probably would my mom and my mom also probably would not want have wanted to go to warp tour because uh when it was really popular, I mean they used to throw condoms out into the audience. Could have brought my mom to that. (laughs) Also though at twelve, I would be way too scared to go to a concert by myself. I'd be scared I'd get kidnapped. Uh at twelve I was too scared to stand in the the grocery store checkout while my mom ran to go get something because I would be worried that like they were going to ask me to pay before she got back. Exactly. So we clearly would not have been hanging out with a 23 year old man. Couldn't have been me. No. Um, so in 2008, Jeremy was convicted also of three counts of first degree murder and he was 25 at that point. He was given three life sentences, one for each murder count and the sentences were to be served concurrently, and he will be eligible for parole after serving 25 years. I'm not, I couldn't see him getting out, I'm gonna be honest. But I don't know, it's Canada, don't really know much about their justice system. And apparently, while the both of them were in jail, they would send letters back and forth to each other, promising that one day they were gonna get married. Uh, and apparently none of the letters really, like, they, they didn't really act like they were too remorseful in their letters. Which I'm gonna go ahead and say that Stanky's probably got some uh, some mental health issues mm-hmm. um, with the whole you know werewolf situation. Um, and so after Jasmine was sentenced, she went through extensive rehabilitation and treatment. Her assessments revealed that she had a conduct disorder and oppositional defiant disorder. I've never heard of those, but defiant makes me think I don't know she wants to defy her parents. Um, and so, in September 2011, she began to attend classes at Mount Royal University in Calgary, Alberta. Um, and that was in the final years of, like, her prison sentence. And in 2012, um, it was reported that her rehabilitation was going pretty well. She was expressing some remorse at that time for her actions. And apparently, experts considered them as, as genuine. But that, that really didn't seem like much. They were like, she was expressing some remorse. But not too much. Yeah. It's like, it's like that's good. I'm glad she's progressing, but maybe still keep her where she is. Also, like, and when you see a picture of Stanky or Jeremy, um, I, I, sorry, I'm calling it Stanky. That's rude. But like, he, <laughs> he also murdered people, somebody. So. 
he murdered somebody. He was. I think he would appreciate it. He'd be like, yeah, that's punk rock, man. Stanky. That could even be how you say it. But, you know, he's not, like, the great. He's not, like, he don't look like a model. So, I don't know why, like, he. I feel like he probably manipulated her a little bit, clearly, with the whole age difference, you know. Um, anyways, but in May 2016, Jasmine's sentence was completed and she was freed from any further penalties or court-ordered conditions slash supervision. So she's free. Like, she's free now. Mm-hmm. And she has been for, I guess, like, four years. And according to Jasmine's probation officer, um, the Court of Queen's Bench Justice Scott said, or, oh, sorry, Justice Scott Brooker said, You've indicated through your conduct you have a desire to atone for what you did. And saying that clearly, um, he also said that clearly you cannot undo the past. You can only live each day with the knowledge that you can control how you behave. And she was released and she is out into the public now, which I don't think she's probably like a murderer, murderer necessarily. I think she was just in like a bad situation as a really young kid. With some behavioral issues, and it just really got carried away. Now, as for Jeremy, I really don't know what what happened there. Yeah, I mean, definitely I think that there's probably a little bit of mental illness on both of them. But I think there was a decent amount of manipulation. Yeah. Um, now, do I think that she was already having issues with her parents before? Yes. Do I think that that necessarily yeah. would have meant that she would have killed them? No. You know, it was probably just like average teenage angst, like, oh my gosh, I hate you for not letting me wear this crop top mm-hmm. to this punk rock show, which they also said she was like a pretty like sociable, like nice girl before. But I'm like, she was probably already into like kind of goth stuff before, I would say, because you're not going to a punk rock concert at all if you don't like that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but that is also not to say that uh, I, I think that anything that she did is justified. Like, she definitely did some bad no. shit. Um, oh, yeah. I just, I think it's interesting that, like, I wonder, like, if she had never met Stanky, what would have happened? I know. And it's it's hard to talk about, too, because she's so young. So you want to feel bad for her because she is a kid. But at the same time, like, she did kill a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I guess she served her time, what they thought should be her time, and hopefully her rehabilitation, like, actually helped. At least it wasn't just throw her in prison for 16 years or however long and say goodbye. Mm-hmm. I get but, that. But, you know, it's Canada. Everything's better in Canada. This is I true. Guess. I guess. I've never been there. I've heard Couldn't the, I've heard the really. health care's better, but... You know what? I know that's I a, don't know. I, know that, I refuse I know that's to a go hot, to the doctor. I know that's a hot take. I know I refuse to go to the doctor either. I'll be, I'll, I'll get sick and I'll be like, I, I'll just take a day quill. It'll be all right. <laughs> I know. I'll break my leg off. It'll, it'll grow back like a starfish. I don't need it. Uh, last week, I thought I had sprained my ankle and instead of going to the doctor, I just texted Taylor a picture of my foot and said, what do you think? <laughs> Look, I'm an expert on ankles. I break them, roll them all the time. And I told her, well, you know, I don't really know. But just start walking on it; it'll get better. And, and I think it did get better. You ain't. I've I'm been ho- I'm still hobbling around. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brandon thinks you about to pop the cartilage or something. That's, I really don't know what that that's means. what I was wondering because I I had twisted my ankle and I'd heard a pop, but it wasn't like 
bruised or nothing. Um, but it did swell uh-huh. up. Like, I couldn't wear my slide-on vans. I had to wear the lace-up vans. <laughs> Damn. So. Fat foot. And I tell you, I had just been hobbling around for the past week and a half. Dang. Well, thank you for listening to my story. I should be a doctor. <laughs> you, sh- you should be. You really should be. But, yes, thank you for your story. Uh, we will not be having an episode next week because it's Christmas. We're just going to, you know, uh, enjoy uh, Chillax. chillaxing. Um, maybe drink, you know, a hot chocolate or something. I got a cute Christmas sweater from Poshmark I'm really excited to be wearing. I have a gingerbread house to make. My grandma gave it to me today. So maybe I'll post a pic of it. You know, I love to post uh, when me and Brandon do activities. I like to see who's y'all like better. My Christmas cookies won um, on the last poll. So that, thank you all. That one was really for difficult for me um, because some of them on both sides were so good. And some of them on the other side were so terrible. <laughs> yeah. But as a whole, Brandon's were worse. But he had one white snowman that really stood out. Yes. And that was his saving grace. That was the one that I was like, God, it's so good. So Yeah. But the rest, if you looked at the rest of his, they were terrible. Mm-hmm. And he knows it. He will admit it. Mm, hate it for him he'll have to get better before next year true true uh but our next episode when we do come back will be high profile court cases dun 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 uh don't forget to follow us on instagram at this is gonna sound weird no that ain't it damn it that ain't it at so close gonna sound weird pod or on twitter at just gonna sound weird and on Facebook, it's, this is going to sound weird. Just type it in the search bar. It'll be there, I promise. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Uh, send us your weird stories at thisisgonnasoundweird uh-huh. at gmail.com. If you send us your weird story and we read it, uh, then you will get a free, you know, sticker or koozie. You know, regardless, you're going to get some free shit. You, it's got to be a good story. Got to be a good story. Good, really good stories, get a koozie really bad stories still they still gonna get something it don't matter really it don't matter it don't matter <laughs> we haven't gotten any bad ones yet yeah honestly if you send us multiple stories like multiple stories in one email maybe you got some really good shit that's that's when you get to koozie you know give us some options man true true but right. uh is that it uh yeah i think that's it uh everyone have a happy holidays Whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate, have a good week. <laughs> have a good two weeks. Yeah, just eat some eat some good food. Get fat. That's what I'm doing right now. Getting real fat. If, if you uh, if you ain't doing anything for Christmas, uh, you know, go get yourself some Chinese food. That's what I did last Christmas. It was delicious. Damn, I want some Chinese food now. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get some. All right. Well, goodbye, right. everyone. Goodbye.